Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Morning, everyone. My name's Stephen Baker. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want to take just a second to welcome the Lintons. This is Joel and Judy Linton and their family. They are missionaries in Taiwan. Would you please stand up? Missionaries whom we support, and we're very happy to have them. Faith. Come on. There we go. Yes. Thank you. We're very glad you're here. Uh, Be sure to greet them uh, as you have opportunity today. We hear that, uh, well, should I say what we heard? It was on Facebook, so it must be true. There's a, there was an engagement that happened yesterday, so. <clears throat> All right. Well, we've been preaching this Advent. Hey, Mike. Hello. There we go. I'm preaching this Advent um, about Jesus and about him as our Emmanuel. That means God with us. Pastor Killingsworth talked about that and talked about him being our mediator. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Pastor Carell talked about him as our prophet. Today we're going to talk about him as our priest. And you know that we, uh, as we preach on Advent, we try to speak especially to the children. And so kids, keep your ears open. I'll be asking you questions and I want you to answer. I'll try to see if you can answer some of my questions, all right? Well, there is something strange that people have always done. Something strange that people from all the nations and all the tribes and all the families of the whole earth have always done, going as far back in history as we can see. Do you know what people have always done? People have always killed animals and offered those dead animals and their blood as a sacrifice to their gods. People have always done this. Native Americans sacrificed dogs. Incas in South America sacrificed llamas and alpacas and guinea pigs. The Norse of Northern Europe sacrificed reindeer. In India, they sacrificed goats and chickens and elephants. And in ancient Rome, they sacrificed cows and sheep and pigs and deer. And people today all over the world still do this. This is not something that's done. People all over the world still do this. They still sacrifice animals as part of their religion. So why? Because all over the world, going back in history as far as we can see, People of all nations, all ethnic groups, all religions knew that there's something wrong. There's something wrong. They knew that there's something broken about the world. They have in their hearts a sense that there is such a thing as right and wrong, and yet they know that they're wrong. All across the earth. People have understood that they've sinned. 
that they have broken these really big rules that come down from above. And so people have always feared death. Because we all know that death is a judgment. Death is a punishment against people who have broken God's law. And so from the very beginning, mankind has known that we have broken God's laws, that we are guilty, that we deserve death. Now, kids, I want you to remember something with me, okay? What was the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they disobeyed God's command in the garden? Because remember, God had said, you can eat of all the trees of the garden. There's only one tree you may not eat. It's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But they did. They, they did eat of it. And the first thing they did was what? Anyone remember? What's that? They, they hid from who? From God. And what else did they do? There's something else they did while they hid. I see a hand. What's that? Yeah. They made, they made clothes for themselves out of leaves. So they covered themselves, right? And they hid. They covered themselves and they hid. Why did they do that? Because they knew they had broken God's law. They knew it. They knew they were guilty. They knew they deserved to be punished. They, the only possible punishment for them was what God said, death. As soon as they sinned, they knew this. We deserve to die. And all of their children from then on, the whole race of mankind from then on, have known deeply that we all deserve to die. There's no escaping it. This is baked into our minds, into our hearts, into our consciences. We feel it. We know that the only right punishment for disobeying God is death. And so we are afraid of death. We're afraid of death. The Bible says that through fear of death, that we are held all of our lives in slavery. Sin and disobedience and rebellion broke our relationship with God. And here's what Adam and Eve are thinking, okay? We're cut off from God. We're guilty. We're ashamed. What are we going to do? I know. Let's cover ourselves. Yeah. Eve, quick, get out your needle and thread. Sew something up for us. We need to hide. That's what they did. They found these big leaves. They made coverings for themselves to hide their shame and their guilt. And this is what we have been trying to do ever since. We have been trying to hide, trying and trying and trying to cover ourselves, trying to make up for our sins by doing something, trying to cover over and hide the bad things we've done. 
This is what we all do. This is baked in to our nature as those who sinned against him, both men and women and children. This is why we blame other people for our sins. Don't we? We blame other people for our sins. That's what Adam did. As soon as he sinned, Adam started blaming someone else. Do you remember? God came looking for Adam, right? He came looking for Adam. Adam's hiding. And he comes looking for Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, we hid. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Why did you hide? Because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Now, kids, did God know or not? He knew, of course he knew. He knew all the answers to all of his questions. He wanted Adam to have to say it out loud. Okay. And as soon as God asked Adam, Adam, did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat? What did Adam say? What, what, what? The woman. The woman whom... You gave to me. She gave me of the fruit. And so, yes, technically, I guess you could say I did eat. Yeah. But with a, with a whole big excuse, Your Honor. You know? It was her fault. It wasn't my fault. You don't understand. You would have done the same thing if you were in my situation. You know, this is the kind of thing we say. Um, You make me crazy when you say that. In other words, my sin is your fault. So many ways we try to cover ourselves. We lie kids, I want you to think about this. How many of you lied this week to cover your sin? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you lied to to cover up your sin? We lie to ourselves. Oh, that wasn't really a sin. We um, try to put on a good outward, you know, show that everyone can see that we're not that bad. Or we try to do a lot of good things to kind of outweigh the bad things. I'll be especially good this week because maybe that'll help. Or we do something called penance. Any of you kids? kids ever heard the word penance before? No? Penance means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something to myself that hurts. And maybe that'll somehow make up for my sin. It'll give me something to bring to God, my own suffering. So back in the old days, they would make whips and they would literally beat themselves on the back 
when they had sinned. Or they'd climb up the long stone steps on their bare knees. Or they'd wear scratchy underwear. No joke. I've got to suffer. I've got to do something. I can't just come to God. I've got to, do, I've got to make myself suffer first. And then maybe God will think about possibly accepting me. We do this today. You adults, think about it. You know that you do this. And listen, this is why people from all tribes and families and nations of the earth have always killed animals and offered them as a sacrifice to their gods. Because we all know that someone must die. And I don't want it to be me. So here, here, would you take this blood instead of mine? Take it. This is why all the old religions have priests. Priests. Because what do priests do? Priests offer sacrifices, right? Priests slaughter animals and pour out the blood and try over and over and over again to make peace between the people and God or the people and their gods. Now, is that a pagan idea? Is it a pagan idea that we should kill animals pour out the blood, and try to make peace? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. It's definitely a pagan idea to think that we can cover ourselves. Right? It's an unbelieving idea. It has nothing to do with God. What Adam and Eve tried to do had nothing to do with God. They tried to cover themselves. It's a pagan idea to think that we can cover ourselves, that we can make up our own ceremonies, our own rituals and religions to somehow make ourselves right with God. But think about it. Who was the first priest in the Bible? Kids, I want you to think about that. Who was the first priest in the Bible? Who was the first one to spill the blood of an animal in order to cover a sinner? You kids, anybody know? Who? What? You never thought about that before. <laughs> I haven't heard any answers yet. Good guess, but no. Technically, yes. He's in my 7th and 8th grade class. He knows all the answers. Ah. It was God. It was God himself. And yes, I believe it was the Son of God himself. But that's another, we'll get into that some other time. God is the first priest. Because the first animal ever killed in the history of the world was killed by God. 
Because the Bible says that after Adam and Eve sinned, and after they tried to cover themselves with their little janky fig thing, how long is that going to last? Right? That God himself made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. He himself clothed them. With what? With the skins of animals. What do you have to do to get the skin of an animal off? You got to kill it. The Lord God Almighty Himself killed animals, shed their blood, used the animal skins to cover Adam and Eve, which means the first priest in the history of the world is God. The penalty of sin is death. Adam and Eve sinned. Someone has to die. But here's the amazing thing God did not kill Adam and Eve. No, he killed animals in their place. This is God's mercy and grace and kindness. If Adam and Eve are going to be able to hear from God, if they're going to be able to live and hear from God and talk to God and have any blessing from God, blood has to be shed and a sacrifice has to be made and God himself makes a sacrifice. Adam doesn't kill the animals to cover himself with animal skins. Adam didn't make up the idea of sacrifice. That doesn't come from the pagans. God made the idea of sacrifice. This is his idea. This is his way. This is why we see so much blood in the Old Testament. Kids, you you read the Old Testament, right? Yeah? Yeah? And blood, there's blood everywhere, everywhere. When the Lord rescued his people from Egypt, he said, I'm going to kill the firstborn sons of all the Egyptians. You remember this? But he promised that he would not kill the Hebrews' firstborn sons if they did what? What is it? Yeah. On the top and on down the sides, right? Kill a lamb, a perfect lamb. Kill it, pour out its blood, put its blood in a bowl, right? And take a brush, basically, and just like start painting. Just paint the door frame of your house with blood. And what did God promise he would do? if they did that. When God came to kill the, kill the firstborn of Egypt, he would see the blood and say, okay, not that house. Right? Not that house. I'm going to pass over that one. Not going to kill the, anyone in that house. Think of the blood. Some of you uh, Cedars students have have done this, actually. I mean, not put blood on your doorposts. But you've slaughtered goats. Right? Lots of blood. 
How would you like that to be your job? This is what God made a special group of men in the Old Testament to do nothing, almost nothing but slaughter animals and collect their blood and then pour it out, sprinkle it. These are the priests of the Old Testament. After they had come out of the land of Egypt, God commanded that people of Israel would set aside certain men to be priests. And the main work of the priests was to slaughter animals, to spill their blood, to present these animals in their blood to God. Why? Why did God command his people to ordain priests who had shed so much blood to kill so many animals day after day after day, year after year, for hundreds of years? Why would God do that? Was it like what the pagans thought? You know, that God was hungry and he needed meat. We got to feed God. No. Was it because God was cruel and he loved to see animals suffer? No. Was it because the blood of bulls and goats and lambs could actually remove the guilt of all their sins? No. God commanded the priests to offer sacrifices, to shed the blood of bulls and goats and lambs, because all that blood, kids, was like a picture, a very vivid picture, a reminder, a symbol, a sign that told all of God's people two things, okay? Here's what all the blood said. Number one, they deserve to die for their sins. You deserve to die for your sins. And number two, God would cover your sins by killing someone else. That's what the whole Bible is about, basically. You deserve to die for your sins. Blood, 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 blood everywhere. You deserve to die for your sins. But God will spill someone else's blood in your place. That is why God set up the priesthood in the Old Testament. The priests stand between the sinner and a holy God. And the priest spills the blood of someone else, an animal pours the blood out on the altar in the presence of God and makes atonement for the sins of the people. He turns God's wrath away from the people and he brings God and sinners back together in peace. Put that up on the screen, would you? You see this word? Atonement. But I want someone to read it just like it is spelled on the board right now. Someone? Someone? Nice and loud. At one month. You're not a kid. <laughs> at one month. That's what the word, that's atonement. That's what that word actually means. That's why it's spelled that way. Okay? Kids, you understand? You got two that are, two sides that are against each other. The sinners, we're against God. We don't love him at all, and we don't like him, and we hate all he stands for. 
and God who is holy, this is a problem. But the blood makes us at one with one another, brings peace. God restores our broken relationship with him by means of a sacrifice. Now, that brings us to our our passage in the Bible this morning. Don't worry, we're not really at the beginning of the sermon. Hebrews chapter 2. All right, look at Hebrews chapter 2. Look what it says, starting in verse 14, about Jesus. All right? Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, we're all the children here. Since all of us share in flesh and blood, a body, he himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same. That just means, kids, that Jesus took on flesh and blood. Jesus took on a body. Why? That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. He had to be born one of us. He had to be made like us in every way. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation, atonement, to cover our sins for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who were tempted. So do you see? Jesus is our priest. He is our faithful high priest. All the other priests from the old days, all the priests who slaughtered so many animals and offered so many sacrifices year after year after year, they were all just little pictures of the real priest, Jesus. And everything that those priests did, all the animals, all the blood, did that ever purify anyone? No. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 says that these normal priests, these merely human priests, the priests in the Old Testament, used to stand every day in the temple in Jerusalem and every day, day after day, after day, day after day, they offered the same sacrifices year after year after year Decade after decade after decade, century after century after century, rivers of blood spilled. Making all the same sacrifices, bulls and goats and lambs. But the Bible says that those sacrifices could never take away sins. That's why they had to be offered day after day after day and year after year after year. They didn't take away anyone's sins. They're just a reminder. They're a pointer. They're a sign telling the world that yes, we deserve the penalty of death, but God himself would provide a way of escape from death. And so God sent his son Jesus to be our great high priest. Jesus came to do what priests do. He came to offer a sacrifice on our behalf. 
But now Jesus did not offer a sacrifice in an earthly temple like the temple in Jerusalem or the tabernacle out in the wilderness. No, the Bible says that he offered a sacrifice in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation. Jesus entered heaven itself, came into the very presence of God himself, the throne room of God himself, and there he offered a sacrifice. Now, what was the sacrifice? Goats, bulls, elephants, guinea pigs? No. He offered himself. He offered himself. He sacrificed himself. So here you have both parts of the equation. He is the priest and he's the lamb. No other blood will do. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats and lambs to take away sins. Remember, all the sacrifices and all the blood shed in the Old Testament was just a picture, a reminder of what God was really going to do. What God was really going to do was send a perfect faithful high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, who would offer not animal blood, but his own blood, precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. This is the only way. This is the only covering for sin that God will accept. Either you must die for your sins, which is completely perfect and right and fair. Or someone else must die in your place. And the only one who can satisfy the perfect justice of God is God himself. But now kids, think about this, would you? Think about this. Can God die? Can God die? Can God die? Can God die? Okay, no, okay, no. Okay. God can't shed his own blood. God doesn't have a body. But what does Hebrews 2 say? Did you see it? Therefore, since the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, flesh and blood, so that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Jesus, the Son of God, took on flesh and blood. He took on flesh and blood just like ours. This is what Christmas is all about, remember? He took on flesh and blood so that he could what? Spill his blood and die. So that he could live a perfect life in obedience to God and so that he could die the death that we deserve. Now, kids, think about how amazing this is. 
This is better than any story you'll ever read. This is better than any fairy tale you'll ever hear. This is better than any movie you'll ever watch. Jesus conquered death. How? How? Mm -hmm. By dying. That's right. How do you conquer something by succumbing to it? You know? How do you conquer death? By dying. That's what Jesus did. Took on flesh and blood so they could die, died so that he could conquer death, conquered death so that you could be free. Free from the penalty of death, free from the power of death, free from the fear of death. Jesus is our great high priest. He is the priest and he's the sacrifice. He's the priest and he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's our mediator. Remember Pastor Jody talked us, taught, taught us about that word, mediator. A mediator stands between two people who are fighting with one another. He stands between two people who are enemies and he brings them together and he makes peace. That is what we need with God. We need peace. Because we come into this world hating everything that he is and everything that he stands for. We love the darkness. We hate the light because our deeds are evil. This is who we are. And God is opposed to us in our sin. But look, here's one who is holy and perfect and spotless and he has flesh and blood. He is God. He can live a perfect life of obedience because he himself is holy and he's man. He can die because he really is a man. He can die, not for his own sins, but for yours. Yours. Now, what does all this mean for us? What does all this mean for us? Here's one thing. If Jesus is your great high priest, you have access to God. You have access to God. You have access to the blessing of God. This is one of the things that the normal earthly priests in the Old Testament did. They stood between God and the people, and this was a two-way street, okay? They stood on the people's side. And when they're standing on the people's side, they pray to God for the people. They call out to God, Lord, have mercy on your people. Save them, right? They pray to God for the people. And then they stand on God's side and they bless the people on God's behalf. God commanded the priest to bless the people. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. That's the, the blessing that God commanded the priest to give to the people. This was God speaking to the people. So the people, or the priests, pray to God on behalf of the people, save them. And God says, through the priests, bless them. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. He prays for us. 
Did you know that, kids? Did you know that Jesus right now, right now, is praying for you? He is. You know how we all have people... We ask, you know, hopefully we ask people to pray for us, right? But then we have people that, when it gets serious... I want to ask her to pray for me. And it's usually a woman. Isn't it? Isn't that interesting? A woman that we know will pray. Would you please pray for me? Right? Because we know they will. Now, think about this. Jesus prays for you. Wouldn't you like to know that Jesus is praying for you? Jesus knows what you need. Jesus knows exactly what to ask for. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father, and Jesus is always praying for you. Now, how do we know that? Because that's what the Bible says. As our great priest, he's always praying. Hebrews 7 says this, Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. That means he prays for us. He lives to do this. This is what he lives to do, to pray for you. Does God hear his prayers? Yeah. We have a great high priest and he prays for you. Always. And he blesses us. All the blessings that God has, he pours them out on you richly because of Jesus and because of his perfect sacrifice on your behalf. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Because of Christ. He has given us redemption in Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace that he's lavished on us. Just keeps on pouring it out. Grace, grace, grace. If Jesus is your great high priest, you have access to God. He's praying for you right now, and he's blessing you right now. And not only that, but you yourself can come to God. You yourself, freely, cheerfully, confidently, boldly. All because Jesus is your high priest. This is what Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Okay? That means we do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows us very well, and he knows exactly what it's like to be you. 
We don't have one who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. So what are we supposed to do with that? Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Confidence. Boldness. What in the world are we doing with our penance? Our scratchy underwear? Our inflicting pain on ourselves? I know. I'm a, I know I'm a sinner. God won't accept me. I know. So I've got to, maybe if I make myself feel bad enough, then maybe he'll say, oh, okay, I guess, yeah. And then we come into his presence on tippy toes with fear because we know he really doesn't like us. He's not really going to accept us. So maybe I'll do some good works. And then he'll accept me. You know? I, I, I was told I have cancer, so I'll, I'll cure myself of cancer, and then I'll go to the doctor. Yeah. That's a great idea. It's so embarrassing to go to the doctor and to be told you're sick. So I'll make myself healthy, and then I'll go to the doctor. Jesus is your great high priest. You're not, you're, you can't be a priest like that. Come to Jesus. Boldly. Here's something else. If Jesus is your great high priest, you can be free from the fear of death. Remember? That's what it says in Hebrews 2. He came in flesh and blood so that he could die, so that he could destroy the one who has the power of death, so that you could be free. Free from death, free from slavery to the fear of death. How many awful and evil things have been done in the history of the world because men and women and children were afraid of death? How many lies have been told? How many people have been betrayed? How much selfish, awful compromise has happened because someone is afraid to die? You don't have to be afraid to die. Jesus came to conquer death. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This is the real gift of Christmas. Eternal life. Right? You, it's like the Christmas present. And it's like, it's hidden. There's something inside there and you, you, you open it up. And what is it? Oh, eternal life. This is what, the gift of God is better than you thought it was going to be. It's eternal life. 
Do you have it? Do you have peace with God? Do you have forgiveness for your sins? You can. Only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. Nothing you can do can bring you to God. Not even your own blood. Not even your own blood. I want to end with this. Okay? I want to read to you something that the prophet Isaiah wrote. The prophet Isaiah wrote some of the most beautiful Christmassy words ever written. It's in chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25. He says, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A lavish banquet. A Christmas party. A banquet of aged wine. Choice pieces with marrow. So that's the good meat. The good, juicy, fatty, good stuff. And refined, aged wine. You know, the good stuff. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples. Even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, which is today, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Merry Christmas. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It really is. It really is. Freedom, gladness, peace, access to God. Forgiveness for all of your sins. Jesus will treat you just like he treats his son. So come to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you and praise you for all that you've done. We deserve not a single bit of it. Help us to trust you. We ask in your name, amen.